0: have you in church today. As I look out at every one of you, uh, I am blessed to say that uh, you're, you're in church worshiping the Lord today. You could be doing something else, and some of you could be cleaning up your home or whatever, but you decided that you wanted to focus on the Lord. And um, so I, I'm so blessed to see that in you, and uh, your heart for the Lord amazes me constantly. Well, let me just tell you a little bit about my week, and I'm gonna start actually with this morning. I was actually driving to, uh, to the church early this morning, and I went, uh, went by a house. My, my neighborhood is a war zone. I live in Oceanside. And um, every day it seems like more and more stuff gets piled outside. It's not like it's going down, but it's not diminishing, but people are actually, because insurance companies are coming and many of them do not have flood insurance and whatnot. So as the insurance company is coming, more and more furniture and more and more stuff is actually being... Uh, placed outside uh, of of my house. This is not my my neighborhood, but uh, they're just gonna be showing some slideshows while I speak. But, uh, and just do me a favor, would you stop the slideshow for a moment because I want everybody to focus on this one thing. Uh, But I was uh, driving down my block and um, a lot of stuff in the garbage, and I noticed as I was passing that this was in the garbage can. And I couldn't help but to go back Pull it out of the garbage can because I want to tell you this is my flag. This is the flag of the United States, and no flag belongs in the garbage. I said no flag, no American flag belongs in any garbage can. Uh, but I want to tell you that I'm I'm kind of tired. I'm pretty exhausted, actually. Let me tell you a little bit about my week and tell you all the great things that God has done this week through our church. Who would have known that I would have started a series entitled, I Love My Church, and uh, actually give me an opportunity to see my church in action in a way that just once again amazes me, doesn't surprise me but it certainly amazes me when I see a group of people respond the way they do. Like I said before, on Sunday afternoon, we were ordered to leave, um, and to be honest with you, I know some people, they, they like to stay in their homes and, and everything, but when the governor says to leave your home, I obey and I leave. Um, nothing, nothing in my home is worth losing my family. Nothing, nothing. Nothing in my home is worth putting my mother-in-law, who's 84 years old, at risk. And let me tell you, as your pastor, let me encourage you. When people tell you to leave your home, listen, obey. We took all of our cars out, and that saved all of our cars from being destroyed. There's only one way in and one way out of my neighborhood, and there was no way in the world that I was gonna risk the most precious, commodity that I have and that is my children and my family. So we left. Um, We had actually been on the phone with my neighbor who stayed and she was uh, sending us texts as much as we could get them and they were telling us that the water was very high. Um, Peter, uh, Pastor Pete, was was, uh, around the neighborhood as well and uh, so after the whole hurricane was over, I went back immediately that day into my neighborhood and Peter, Pastor Peter, began to tell me stories of how um, people's houses were devastated. In fact, he told me that they were swimming, Peter, this high in uh, water, uh, in some places much higher than that, and any car that was in the street got destroyed, and, um, and there are probably 500 homes in Peter. Peter's development and my development, which are two different separate developments. And um, what I'm understanding uh, that out of the f- four to 500 homes, 20 homes were spared, 20 homes were spared. I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you this, and I'm not gonna act super spiritual either. Um, my home was spared, not, there was this much water outside my house. Uh, it came up to my garage and not a drop of water. My neighbor had water in his garage, but not a drop of water went into my house. And I'm not gonna sound super spiritual with you and tell you the reason why that happened is because I'm the pastor, I'm more important. Let me tell you something. It was just the mercy of God. That's it. It was just the mercy of God. That's it. I am not more important than a person who lived in Long Beach, a senior citizen, a family in Island Park. I'm not more important than those people that are in Howard Beach that got their houses destroyed. It was just the mercy of God for me. I'm thankful for that. I'm very, very thankful for that. And this week has been a busy week, but let me tell you some of the things that I've learned along the way as I, I looked at this. Number one, we need, as people, to recognize what is the most important things in our life. We need to reprioritize our life. And we, re- we really need to recognize that material things will come and go. Now, I'm going to tell you again, I'm not going to act super spiritual. If my house got damaged, if my whole first floor got destroyed, or more than that, I would be having a bad day and I'd be pretty ticked off. But see, the difference, though, is this, that I'd go into my prayer closet, I'd ask God to change my focus, and I'd look up, and I'd look to the Lord from whom my help comes from. I'd have to change my attitude, and I'd have to say, God, the most important things in my life have been spared, my family, and the people that we love. So the first thing I want to tell you that I have been pondering on and learning is is that there are more important things in life folks. You know, some of the people in my community they didn't leave for two reasons and I want to tell you it's heartbreaking to think of this. But that's why I want to tell you how much I love my church. They didn't leave their community number 1 because a lot of people in my community don't know the Lord. And so what they own is what they possess and what they own is what possesses them you see when you don't have Jesus in your life when you don't have God in your life you have a hole in your heart and you will try to fill it with whatever you can and for so many people they fill it with material things and when it's gone as Pastor Pete was strategically placed by God in his neighborhood And during that time, people were coming to Pastor Pete and putting their head on his shoulder and crying and saying, I have nothing left. I have no hope. I have no reason to live because of the material things that were taken away from them. And we should be sobered at the fact that when you don't have Jesus, you cling to other things, and they become your idol and your God. And when they're gone, you have nothing to look to to bring peace and a sense of purpose in your life. But let me tell you the other reason why I love my church. Because I am more convinced today than ever before that the church is the answer for the world. And the church is the greatest institution on the face of this earth and even in heaven. The church is the greatest institution because it is a community, a network of believers. And a lot of the people in my community did not leave because they had nowhere to go. Listen to me. Are you hearing me? They had nowhere to go. Where am I going to go? I have no one to stay with. I have, I have no other friends that I can go and, and hang out with. You see, that's where the church becomes so powerful that at any time we should be able to pick up a phone and say, I'm in a flood zone. I need to leave my house. Well, can I stay with you? I'm in a flood zone, and I don't have lights and I don't have electricity and I don't have heat, but you know what, can I stay? In fact, let me just say to you, instead of people asking you, can they stay with you, you need to call them up and say, listen, are you okay? You can stay with me as long as you need to stay. You see, here's the problem so often, we get just a little too logical and we can't be first responders because we begin to think, well, how long are they gonna be with me? How much is this gonna cost me? And friend, as long as you remain logical, you will not be able to be a leader leading the way in compassionate ministry to people. No, it's not always logical. And yes, it will It will cost you something. And yes, there will be a sacrifice, but the last time I read the Bible, It said, if I seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things God will take care of for you. And let me tell you, yesterday, the last time I checked, God's kingdom is in Island Park. God's kingdom is in Long Beach. God's kingdom is in Far Rockaway. God's kingdom is in Coney Island. Why? Because Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of them, you've done it unto me. Come on, somebody, help me out right now. Please help me out. And and the church is such a great organization, it's an organism because we are a community and we have something that the rest of the world doesn't have. We have a great, big, huge family in which we can rely upon. And so I wanna tell you that I have been so impressed with many of you families and volunteers. So let me tell you how my day went. Sunday we hunkered down, Monday we were reading the word, singing old songs, children's songs, Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart, down in my heart. I've got peace that passes all understanding. I got bubbling, bubbling, bubbling something. I don't know if we really wanted to say that too much as we heard the water rushing, you know, but we're singing all kinds of songs. That's Sunday night into Monday, Monday night into Tuesday. Tuesday morning, I was already on the phone with Pastor David Nazolo, and I want to thank Pastor David. Pastor David has a home in Long, in Long Beach, and it got flooded, but Pastor David was not concerned about his home. He was concerned about getting teams on the ground. He was concerned about making sure that we were feeding other per- people. He was leading the charge and helping us to take care of people in Long Beach on Thursday while he had his own needs, And I want to thank you, Pastor David, for that. He's in the, in the audience today, and we, we want to thank him for that. Let's give him a big hand and thank him for that. The great leader. The great leader. Pastor David and myself and some of the other leaders of this area, this community, some pastors, and even some officials, we gathered together and we began to strategize on how we can respond immediately. You know, Romans chapter two, verse four says, we should never take for granted the goodness of God because the goodness goodness of God leads people to repentance. And you know, I believe with all my heart that people need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the truth. The truth will set them free. And there's power in the gospel, as Paul the Apostle said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. But I want to suggest to you today that the goodness of God leads people to Jesus. The goodness of God leads people to repentance. The goodness of God leads people to recognize they need a savior. And so when we go out and we do the good things that God wants us to do, letting our light so shine amongst men, letting our good deeds be known, we are sharing the goodness of God. And when we're sharing the goodness of God, it leads them to the master. And so the truth is that I've looked in the Scriptures and I've noticed that the church, this church, is called to do a few things. I want you to go with me in the Scriptures if you would. I want you to see something in Acts chapter 2. The first thing I see is that the church is supposed to be the first responders. Friends, let me tell you something. There's no organization in the world that can mount up. There's no other organization that can round up. Listen to me, I kid you not. Not even the army can do this. There's no organization on the face of this earth that can send out the word, can rally the troops, and mount a strategic attack against the enemy of poverty, of disaster, and bring relief to people like the Church of Jesus Christ. Are we doing it? Not really, not in every church. But let me tell you, if every single leader and every pastor stood on their pulpit and they said, church, it's time to respond. Listen to me. Countless millions of Christians would be able to stand to their feet and say, we've got this. We've got it. We, that's that's, that's uh, God calling you right now, saying, you got to go. We've got this. Why? Because even before the army responds, even before the government responds, The church should be ready at a moment's notice to respond, why? Because all year long we're pumping into the hearts and into the lives of people the commission of the church. I love my church because we have a great commission. And Matthew chapter 25 tells me this is our commission, that we're to feed the hungry. We're to respond where there is poverty We're to go visit people in prison. We're to go give bottled water to people who need bottled water. We're to give assistance to people that are in disaster situations. And so we are the first responders. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, we are to be those first responders. You know, James tells us, what good is it if we say that we have faith? So all year long, we're building up our faith, building up our faith, building up our faith, all year long. For years, I've been building up your faith. For what? To be a first responder. To make sure you're the first one. Not thinking just logically, how is this going to cost me? But to, to run to the need, to get to the need, and to represent the Savior. To share the goodness of God that leads people to the Savior. So we need to be first responders. The early church, when they saw a need, the Bible says they not only opened up their homes, and here, here's what we're doing. We're asking people just simply open up your home for a week, two weeks, whatever. But they didn't just open up their homes. I look in Acts chapter two and it says they sold their homes, took the money and pulled it together to help everyone that was in need, wow. They were first responders. You see, there was a a famine in Jerusalem. There was a great need in Jerusalem. And the church, not only in Jerusalem, but all over, the Philippians, they gave. They were so poor. They had nothing really to give monetarily, but the little they had, they gave. And Paul, the apostle, said that giving became a sweet aroma to the nostrils of God. And then he said, and and that's why I know that my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So I have recognized that the church ought to be the first responder. So we were strategizing on Tuesday morning. We had already been on the phone with Convoy of Hope and and how I thank God for Convoy of Hope. Because Convoy of Hope, an organization that's in Missouri, that has a 400,000 square foot warehouse over 18 big 18-wheeler trucks ready to roll at any time, they were already on the road. By Wednesday, they were already here, mobilizing churches and or strategizing with churches and volunteers to get the supplies into Long Beach, to get the supplies into Coney Island, Howard Beach and different island park and different places. And so by Wednesday, we were having meetings together and by Thursday morning, and I want to encourage you, you know, I, I'm a Facebooker. I seek his face and I read his book. But the truth is, I'm also a Facebooker. And the reason why I go on Facebook is because I can see what's going on in your life. And I can minister to you on a daily basis. And that's what I do. I'm a Facebook pastor. And I want to see what's going on in your lives. And I want to encourage you, maybe you're, you're not into Facebook, but I so want you to get into Facebook this week. I mean, just go online, you know, get a Facebook account. It's so easy to do. And then after you get a Facebook account, then go on to the Bethlehem. We have our own Facebook account or Facebook site. And uh, you, can, you can look, befriend me, Stephen Malazzo, that's my name, and, uh, and go ahead and go on because we're gonna give you updates like this in a moment. So my daughters helped us as we were looking, you know, and here's the thing with these smartphones. They're amazing, you know. They're so smart, you have to find a smart area to get to. So we did. We found the smart area to get to. And, and you know, my phone has been in and out. I don't have any electricity. I haven't had any co- uh, hot water in a while. We, we, now, we, now we know what it means to, uh, to, have, um, to, to have army baths and uh, doing a lot of snuggling these days with my wife. She's praying the power stays off. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, So we've been trying to find signals and uh, my daughters put on Facebook a, a Facebook event. This was on Wednesday night. By Thursday morning, we had about 100 volunteers. 100 volunteers in Island Park, at Island Park Full Gospel Church. You see, several of our churches got um, really damaged. Uh, One Full Gospel Church in Island Park. Those are all our churches. They're our brothers in Christ. We love them. We're not in competition with them. We're here to complete each other, not compete with each other. And we're here to run to their side the moment they need something. And you know, let me tell you, if I was a pastor and I, I, came in the, I came in this morning and I looked around and I said, thank you, Jesus, for the carpeting. I, I, thank you, Jesus. I'll tell you why. Because my brother, Pete Conforti, in Island Park lost all of his carpeting. We had to tear out all of the pews and put them outside or put them on the side so we could pull up the carpeting. He's got mildew already ro- ro- running up the sides of his walls so much of his stuff in his church was damaged and we went over there with a team of people and we cleared out the place and we said we're here to serve you pastor we went to his house we cleaned out his whole house we not only did that but with hundred people we were able to deploy three teams and we went to a church in Belmore the team went to a church in Hicksville the team went to a church in Island Park it was another team from the Bronx that is now going to Howard Beach our brother in Howard Beach pastor Steve he had, he had water up to the, fir- to the sanctuary, and everything in there got damaged. And friends, we need to rush to the sides of our brothers and sisters and be first responders, say, we've got your back, man. Because we're blessed. Here we are today in this beautiful place, and we need to respond. And so we did that. We took a teams of people and deployed them to do that. At the same time, Convoy of Hope helped us to get a, an 18-wheeler tractor trailer filled with water filled with supplies and we brought it down to Long Beach and we pulled up right in the middle of Long Beach and we went to the chief of police and the chief of police says don't you open that truck up until we get you some national guardsmen and some police officers because it'll be crazy there so we waited police officers came and we opened up the the truck and there were lines of people and we the church of Jesus Christ one of the first people to be there in Long Beach we were able to hug people and pray with people and Some people were telling us that they lost everything. But we were able to give them some food and a a hug and a love and a prayer and help them. We're we're actually working with FEMA now to give these people the information where to go and how to, to deal with some of these things. And it was amazing what we did on Thursday. By Friday afternoon, we were strategizing again to get another truckload in and have teams from around the country come and help out with tearing out basements and cleaning and helping churches and whatnot, and by Thursday or fr- uh, Friday afternoon, we got back on Facebook again, and we said, we need some volunteers, and once again, 80 to 100 volunteers showed up. My brother Carmine brought his forklift with him, or rented a forklift, and we, he brought uh, a truck, a, a big uh, flatbed truck, and We went into uh, two places yesterday. First, we went into Nickerson Park, and we met with the governor of the state. And um, it was amazing how uh, they were able to see the church of Jesus Christ in action. Convoy of Hope was the first truck there. And we were able to show these servicemen and the governor and these politicians that the church doesn't play games. We don't sit around feeling sorry for ourselves. We don't sit around feeling like, you know what, we're entitled to something, but we are the first responders there out on the street meeting the needs. And so then we went from there, we went to Island Park. And uh, let me tell you, when I got to Island Park, it was pretty devastating to me. And you know, it's amazing, we're here, we're so warm, we're so comfortable, but just, just this far to Island Park, there are people that have nothing. And so I have to tell you that we were at Island Park and we had a lot of volunteers. And so, you know, I had, I drank a big bottle, a real big bottle of Gatorade. And you know what happens when you drink a big bottle of Gatorade? <laughs> you have to make a deposit. <laughs> and, and, and I looked everywhere. I didn't want to bother anyone. I, I, I looked everywhere for a Portageon, and there was not one in Island Park. And so by the time my eyes started to get yellow, I knew I needed to do something. <laughs> so I just, I just walked up to somebody. He was in front of his house, and he was doing some cleaning. And see, here's, here's the deceptive thing, folks. Listen to me. Here's the deceptive thing. We're looking at the outside of people's homes, and we're thinking everything is okay. And we're not understanding that some of these homes had water 10 feet, 12 feet in their house. And so the gentleman so nicely said, absolutely. I said, can I use your restroom? He said, I'm sorry. He said, it's a mess, but you can use my restroom. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks, man. When I walked into this man's house and absolutely everything in this man's house was gone. Every piece of furniture, everything, every food item, every light, every TV, Everything was gone. And I thought to myself, what is this man going to do tonight when it goes below 40, 35 degrees? And again, I said, God, give give us the faith and the compassion to reach out and help these people. And so all day long, we were in Island Park helping with the National Guard helping to distribute food and water, and we realized that some of the people didn't even know that it was there because they don't have phones, they don't have power. So we sent out trucks, thanks to Carmine and some of the other guys that were there, and we sent out trucks, we loaded them up, and we sent them into the community, knocking on doors, giving out bottled water, cleaning supplies, anything we could. And let me tell you, you might think, you might think that's insignificant compared to the disaster, but man, in those times like that, the fire marshal in Island Park said, thank you, Reverend, thank you, no one has come here yet. We were asking, we were wondering, when's the help gonna come? Thank you, Reverend, for coming to our community. See, he said that everyone was giving attention to Long Beach and they just skipped right over Island Park. But see, God never skips over anyone, does he? God knows exactly where the need is. And so while we're speaking right now, at this very moment, there are people right at that location in our church that have volunteered. And let me tell you, the volunteers, they've been incredible in my church, in our church, but they're wearing thin. And so other people are going to have to step up now. FEMA, the national government, a young lady who works in direct, directly with the governor of the state, asked us, what can we do to come in and help out and, and man five of these points of contact, some in Long Beach and some in, 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 uh, in, in Island Park and I believe one in, in, in East Rockaway. And I said, I don't know. I said, all I can tell you is tomorrow morning I'm going to go before the people, the congregation, my church, I love my church, And I'm going to tell the people they're needed. And I'm going to see whether or not the church does what James says. If you see someone who needs food and you say you have faith and don't give them food, what good is your faith? If you see somebody who needs clothing and you say you have faith but you don't give them the clothes they need, what good is your faith? Faith without works brings death. And so I've learned that The church should be first responders. I've learned that that not only are we to be first responders to the people outside, but we're to be first responders inside, and that we really need to learn how to take care of one another, that we need to have each other's backs. So, So as I close this service today, it's not a long service, not a long sermon, but it's all about how we, the church, can be the church. Now, I'm not going to tell you, as some people said, this is a great opportunity to be the church. You know, does God have to send a disaster for the church to be the church? How ridiculous. I'm just telling you, and you might say, why did certain things happen? Why does God allow certain things to happen? We live in a fallen world. And this world is crying out. It's screaming out. All of nature is screaming out, turn back to God, turn back to God, turn back to God. And I'm not going to get to be a, I'm not going to try to be a prophet right now. All I'm going to tell you is this. We live in a fallen world. And, and, and sometimes we have to go through these kinds of things to reprioritize our life to see what's the most important thing in our life. And we've got to realize that we need each other more today than ever before. The thing that's blowing my mind is how you families are staying with one another and you're praying with one another and you're cooking together and you're taking care of one another. And so we're stepping up and we're realizing we're better together and we're desperately in need of one another, desperately in need of one another. Francis Assisi, who was a Catholic priest, I believe in preaching the gospel, but he said... Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And so, words are cheap, folks. You know what? This world doesn't need more words right now. This world doesn't need more words right now. What they need is to see the goodness of God through the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, how, listen to me, as I finish. How I wanted, how I was so tempted to take the hundreds of people that we met yesterday, tempted to take them all in in an area and preach the gospel to every one of them and, and, and have an altar call, how I wanted to. And the Lord said, no, that's not what's really needed right now. What's needed right now is for you to show them that you love them. And so one by one, we were able to hug them and tell them we were praying. And every once in a while, we were able to pray for people and let them know that Jesus loved them. But they need to see the church in action. And so not only out there, but in here. So here's what we're going to do today. As we close this service, I want to know anyone in my family right here, you've been affected in in a very difficult way Because of this storm, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Thank you, Pastor Pete. Any of you that have suffered, stay standing. Any of you who have suffered loss of any kind in this storm, stand up. I want you family, as much as I know it's embarrassing to you, I want you to come and meet me right here. We're gonna pray for you right now. Come on. This is my family. This is my family. This is your family. They may, not, they may have different color skin, they may come from different places around the world but this is your family. In a moment we're going to take an offering for our family. And we're going to take that money and we're going to split it up. It may be 1000, 2000 a piece, I don't know, maybe a lot more. But we're going to tell our family we got your back. This is what we do here. Let's all stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. I'm thankful, Lord, that three-quarters of my church didn't respond to this altar call today. I'm thank you, Father. I'm so thankful, Lord, that most of the church did not have to respond today. But God, even if there's one, it's my family i don't know all that we can do but i know we can do as much as we can do so father i pray right now in the name of jesus that you help these families to know lord god that we will take them in that we will help them that we will work side by side with them and they will not be alone and god we will do everything we can to meet their needs father Lord, we pray, oh God, that they would be strengthened in knowing, Lord Jesus, that they're not alone. That Lord, that if we have cars, we're going to let them use them. And if we have extra cars, we may even give it to them. That, Lord God, that, Lord Jesus, if we have homes, they're welcome in our homes. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've strengthened them today. We thank you that they're here with us, Lord. They've decided to come and eat dinner with us today. And we thank you for that, Father. Bless them today, God. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for our family. In Jesus' name we pray.